I'm not going to lie. On those Super Bowl Sundays, there was always a couple soups where it was like, how did anybody in the world think that <laughs> yeah. was good? Like, why would you bring yes. this? Yes. Like, you're like, oh, what's this? So what is oh, it? my goodness, goodness. Lord. Redeem this thing. Please like, overcome away. it. Spirit, move in it. And what does a pastor say when he's sampling oh. that in front of the creator? Oh. The truth. Like, never bring this again. We rebuke this in the name of Jesus. I cast you out, demon. <laughs> The power of Christ compels you. Okay, I'm finished. Our goal on this podcast is to know Jesus better and by the power of his spirit, do better. So together we can be a little better. Well, good morning or afternoon or evening. I mean, this thing will drop at 5 a.m. on Tuesday morning. So I'm sure we got some early risers out there. But whenever you're joining us, we're glad you're here for a little better. Uh, We are on week two of our... I, gotta, I always have to ask, how many weeks are we going to be on this? Week two? Six of, weeks. Six weeks. Six weeks. Yeah. Six, yes. Yes, because the sixth week is the huge, it's literally the Super Bowl of our church. It uh, is. This series will conclude with open baptism, so that's a preview of what's to come in a few Can weeks. Can I give people, like, okay, I want to honor our podcast listeners, okay? okay? And I want to give them a sneak peek into open baptism, okay? So it's Super Bowl Sunday. So we're going to ask our church to all wear their favorite jerseys of their team. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Hopefully the Bills and the Cowboys are facing each other in the Super Bowl. That would be the amazing. Let's pray for that. It's a prayer request. Because let's be honest, the, the Cowboys and the Bills both need prayer to get there. Yeah. <laughs> but our open baptism shirt is designed as a football jersey. Ooh. Wow. Sneak peek. Don't wow. tell anybody insider that. Insider stuff. But yeah, that is insider information. Our creative team is off. And I the saw chain. the design yesterday, <laughs> and it's pretty cool. Bills fans, you might like it. All right. Well, back to business. We are in week two. That's, that's good. Week two of the ripple effect, mm. saturating Rochester with the gospel. So, Drew, um, last week um, you teed it up, and I thought, well, this week we're going to get right to it. We're going to get out there in the trenches doing it. But you still keep beating us up in a good way, in a good way. It hurts so good, Drew. We're marinating. But, uh, we're marinating. So good. <laughs> Come on. So for those um, who want a refresher or weren't there, what's your sermon in 60? Yeah, I think I love these first two weeks because we, we've basically asked God to do the heart work that we need. Mm-hmm. And so, again, we're, we're talking about we can't really saturate Rochester with the gospel until he works in our heart. Mm-hmm. And so week one was like getting that inexpressible joy back. This week was finding our compassion for the world. Right. And until our heart really breaks for how, why, for what God's heart breaks for, um, we really won't be that passionate about saturating Rochester or anywhere with the gospel. And so we talked about how we can get our compassion back, how Jesus had compassion for the world because they were helpless and they needed a shepherd. And so we talked about how we, we can learn um, to get compassion for the world. We talked about the greatest need that people ultimately have and how we can live that way through Paul's example of that. And so hopefully God is working in our hearts to prepare us for what he wants to do through us. Yeah. Um, incredibly convicting message, you know, for me personally. Some, a lot of times we're sitting out there trying to think, well, how are people going to receive this? How people, And we, we need impacted. to receive it. Yeah. yeah, we need to. That's the whole point, mm-hmm. right? It has mm-hmm. to start with us if we're not living it out. Um, and, you know, we have as part of the process a pre preach. So you get yeah. to share the message, we get some, you know, some, some feedback to it. 
Um, I almost feel like if we turned down a recorder at pre-preach, we, had, we would have had a full podcast because we, we go at it mm-hmm. uh, in a good way. I think it's a helpful way. Um, we have you know staff in a variety of roles, men, women, you know, all you know, you know, giving you know, giving feedback there. So I'm going to take a slight detour and just ask: Do you enjoy preaching every week? Yeah, I do. I, I, I love it. I mean, mm-hmm. there are seasons where I. I get tired and weary. Um, and I think the process helps, right? So we, we write our sermons. We're about 12, 12 weeks to 16 weeks to nine weeks ahead. Mm-hmm. And so Monday morning for me is really getting familiar with what we as a team wrote, you know, anywhere from a month to two months to three months ahead. And so there are times where like, Wait, you're telling, I don't get a team to write my message. You're telling me that there's a whole team of people who have crafted your messages on a Sunday morning, Drew. Yeah, so. Where's my team? There's a, there's a barometer, you know, you got to preach more okay. than 12 times to get a team. So come talk to me later. Uh, you know, honestly, part of the reason I, I have a team is because the variety of perspectives. And so I pick mm-hmm. my team intentionally. I think of Brad is on that team, Nate Miller's on that team, and Jason DeGraff. And I think of Jason, he's such a contrarian. He always asks really important questions. Mm-hmm. And they help give me a well-rounded message for the angles that different people come at with. Mm-hmm. And it's it's a beautiful thing. And so we write, but I just love it. I like I remember when I was 16, the first time I ever <laughs> preached, like I heard God tell me, this is why I made you. Like, mm-hmm. I, this is what I created you to do. And mm-hmm. like that has never lost me. Mm-hmm. Like I, I love to teach God's word. And don't get me wrong. There are times where like certain messages I'm more excited about than others, but like, I just love it. I really do. Yeah. I think um, what's interesting about your leadership is that it, it, that could mean that you become very, very private and controlling mm-hmm. of what you do. But I love how collaborative yeah. um, mm-hmm. you are and just the way you, you create environments where feedback is welcome. So first off, you mentioned that Jason's a, a contrarian. We have other contrarians in the room that come True. to mind. Yes. You know, and uh, there have been times when I've actually been uncomfortable in pre-preach just because we're going at it so hard. Yeah. Right. But, but I've never felt like anyone was ever personally attacked and yet, we get better yeah. by mm-hmm. by you know working working through that you mm-hmm. know back and forth. That happened at pre preach for this sermon. It actually didn't it, it didn't it didn't get tense or anything no. like that. But we only we, threw a couple chairs, guys. Not, it wasn't <laughs> yeah. that big of a deal. <laughs> but there were some very interesting discussions. Yeah. Like one of them was. In preaching this message, what was Jesus after? Was he after meeting people's immediate needs, you mm-hmm. know, um, and he certainly had compassion, or their ultimate needs? And how does that relate? And you kind of worked on that in your sermon. And we can think about a couple of extremes. One is we can think of a social gospel, right, mm-hmm. where people just believe the whole purpose of the church yep. is just to get people fed, clothed, housed, or run some political agenda, you know, right. get yep. social policies pushed through. The other end of the extreme is, I think you we were talking about before, and you called it transactional. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That it's just like, let's get people to pray the sinner's prayer, and we're done. Yeah, yep. ticket to heaven. Yep. Mm-hmm. You know, Got my grace, yeah. and I'm good. Yeah. So how do we at Northridge balance those things? Mm-hmm. And, you know, one more important than the other, it is, mm-hmm. I, I don't know, anyway. I think mm-hmm. Matt and Michelle have done a really good job of, like, 
teaching us that these two things don't need to fight against each other. Mm -hmm. They can work in unison, mm -hmm. right? right? And I, I think it's important that we know people's greatest need. I, one thing I tried to communicate in my message is people's greatest need is to know Jesus, right? Like mm -hmm. that above anything else, that right. is their greatest need. But I think we have to learn to meet people's needs, like physical needs. Like G we see that in Jesus. He met people's physical needs and, and that helped them see and open their eyes to their need for him. And so mm -hmm. I don't think it's one or the other. I think it's both. And I think these things coming together make us well-rounded and help us reach all different kinds of people. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's kind of... You're thinking over there, so mm -hmm. I want to hear what you have to say on that. Yeah, I was meeting with a, a, a congregation member, and we were talking about this and um, struggling with physical needs and whether and how important those are and should the church meet those and how does that line up. But I think there's a common lie that we believe, and that's that if my physical needs are met, then I'll be good, right? Mm -hmm. Then that's that I'm good. Then the church should provide for my physical needs, and mm -hmm. that's what will solve these problems in my life. If I just had more money, then my wife would love me. If I just had, you know, the car ride to this thing, mm -hmm. then my kids would care about me. Then I would be able to, you know, provide right. for my family and right. be what they want me to be. But there's a foundational lie in that. And that's that, you know, money would be the solution. And really mm -hmm. what we need is a renewal of our mind, a transformation of our hearts. And um, it talks about in Job, like people are groping around in the dark looking for that light. And mm -hmm. sometimes it can, our world sells us this solution of the social gospel. You know, this, if you get more money, you get more transactions, you get more mm -hmm. commercial activity. If you have the car, you have the job, you have the house. People will like you, they'll love you, they'll get you the satisfaction you want or need. Mm -hmm. And I feel like that's the dangerous side of it. But what I think Matt and, and Michelle and Drew were talking a little bit more about was the the eternal side can be so, become so one-sided to some Christians mm -hmm. that they miss the the physical needs that are in mm -hmm, front yes. of them. And so they walk past all these people who our hearts should break for. Yeah. We live in Rochester, right? Rochester, I mean, there's stories of a mother jumping off of a parking garage with her child in her arms. That's like, yeah. that should break our mm -hmm. heart. That should not mm -hmm. be okay in our right. world. And what did she experience to get to that desperation? Yeah. Well, and I think on the other side of that, like the transactional gospel, it doesn't even care for people. It, it just wants to check a box. Like we, we, we mm -hmm. say we care for people, but if we don't see the brokenness, I don't, I'm not sure. I think we're just like following orders, right? Mm -hmm. Where it's just like, mm -hmm. you need Jesus. You need Jesus. I don't really care that you need Jesus. I just, I just know I'm told you're supposed to have Jesus. And so I want you to have Jesus. And I think the balance is, man, I, I, I do care mm -hmm. that you are hurting, but I care enough not to give you a short-sighted solution, but an ultimate solution. Yeah, yeah, this might be a complete rabbit trail, but what comes to mind to me theologically is I remember in the garden when Adam and Eve sinned and they were driven out of the garden and the way to the tree of life was barred because they were sinners, mm -hmm. because they were in judgment. And death comes into the world because of sin, so suffering comes into the world. Frustration comes into the world. Broken relationships come into the world because of sin. Mm -hmm. And we just want to get to that tree of life, right? Mm -hmm. We just want to say, hey, take, take that all away. But if that was all taken away and we were still sinners, mm -hmm. what if we had eternal life here on earth, but none 
of our heart issues, you know, were fixed. That's hell, right? Mm-hmm. That's living yeah. forever without God. Mm-hmm. That's living forever mm-hmm. in the conflict. So as important as these needs are, mm-hmm. you know, we don't get to heaven until God changes and transforms our hearts, right? Yeah. And that's what he's after. He wants to... And, and so that's that's the ultimate passion we have for mm-hmm. people. It's the passion yeah. that Jesus had for people is there's a life God wants you to live. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's not about, you know, these other things. And he wants to bring heaven to earth. Mm-hmm. And the way he does that is through people who know him. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I think sometimes I, I'm so guilty of this, that as a Christ follower, I see the sin in the world and I just want to get out of it. Mm-hmm. Right. I just mm-hmm. want to get to heaven. And I say this all the time, babe, I just, I'm, I'm ready to can't go. Can't wait to get there. Yeah, I can't absolutely. wait to get there. And I, I yep. think I forget, like, I don't even know if that's actually like, I think that's almost, I'm just gonna call it what it is. It's sinful. Absolutely. Do you want to know why it's simple? It's because it's selfish. Yes. 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 Totally. Yeah. And I'm 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 shortchanging, mm-hmm. right? I want the glory of heaven without the mission that God gave me. And I think we have to see that we can bring heaven to earth. You know, Jesus said, like heaven as it, as in earth as it is in heaven. And so I think that's what God wants to do through us is bring a slice of heaven into people's worlds. Mm-hmm. And I think we often. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Paul, with that, like to live as Christ, to die as gain. Yeah. I mean, you, that's that's the the balance of the two, where mm-hmm. you don't value your life so much that you're not afraid to lose it, but you're also not so excited about going to heaven that you're willing to be selfish with yeah. your life, that you lay your life down for one's brother. That's the true. That's the greatest love that any man can have mm-hmm. is to lay his life down for one of his friends mm-hmm. and to spend his life, you know, invest his life in more heart transformation, more gospel redemption, more undoing of the curse of sin here on earth. Mm-hmm. As a person. And um, yeah, we can get lost in our selfish desires in right. heaven, looking forward to things that, you know, right. not being present with the people, the hurting people who are in our lives today around uh-huh. us. Um, mm-hmm. Someone on Sunday asked me, is hell real? Is it a real place? Mm-hmm. You know, and I said, you know, that's one of the, the most, the things that grieves me the most mm-hmm. is that I know people who I don't believe will be in heaven with me. And right. there is hell. It is real. It right. is a real place. It's in the Bible. And yeah. that just destroys me. Um, right. And that mm-hmm. is what motivates me to have compassion. I want to talk about what was powerful for me in your sermon and something that had not occurred to me um, before was your comparison of compassion with disgust mm-hmm. and talking about the difference of being near, you know, those are hurting or far, you know, from those who are hurting. And I just, you know, to address, I'd never heard that. Like in the context, it was all about the positive side, all about the compassion, but we're they're, we're actually the opposite often, mm-hmm. right? We're not compassionate. We're bitter. We have no patience. We... Those people are the problem, mm. right? And um, so, any, how did you even come to that? Because I just thought I'd never even thought, thought of that before. But but that bitterness, I, I wish did you see answer, a lot of bitterness. I, I wish my answer was wisdom, but it's <laughs> honestly like I think we all, at some level, feel that. Like mm-hmm. you think about the things our world chooses, yeah. and it does. It it makes me mad sometimes. Like mm. why? How could you do that? to someone or whatever it is. How could you believe that way? Right. And I, I'm, I'm dumb enough and sinful Mm. enough to fail to realize the only reason I'm any different is because of Jesus. Mm -hmm. And I, I just have seen over the course of, you know, 
I think 16, 17 years in ministry, the church shift from what Jesus had as compassion to this, this angst and this bitterness towards the world. And I think some of it is, you know, I opened with an, a newspaper. I do think because we know everything mm. that goes on in our world, we get to see more of the sinfulness of humanity than ever before. Mm -hmm. And we have to learn to overcome that. Mm. We have to learn for our hearts to break, not mm. grow bitter. Right, mm -hmm. right. Or suffer the delusion that we're better, yeah. right? Mm. That's the thing is, oh, we're better. Than, we're not mm. better. We're broken and we're redeemed. We're loved. But mm -hmm. again, wheels turning over there, but uh, the compassion and, mm -hmm. and, and disgust. Yeah, I love the comparison between them. And I think it's just convicting to me as I heard that, listened to that, you know, uh -huh. to think about how I respond to people who don't look like, come from, act like, what I think the right should be, you right. know? And so, but it's because they are in the dark, groping around, looking for a solution, looking for that light. Right. And I don't always go there in my mind. I go to, they made bad choices. There's, these are the, you know, consequences of actions or things, and it's just not the right place in my mind. And then mm -hmm. I get bitter and I need to grow back to that place where Jesus was never bitter towards people. Well, and I think <laughs> you can almost look at your life and and, and ask, like, someone, someone less might be like, am I bitter or am I compassion? Well, look at the result. Are lost people drawn to you? Mm. Because if you look at Jesus' life, it says mm -hmm. he had compassion. That's and powerful. out of his compassion, guess what happened? Mm. People came to him. Right. Mm -hmm. Like, right. people far from God wanted to be around Jesus. Mm -hmm. Right. Do people far from God want to be around you? Mm -hmm. And if they do, it might be because you have a compassionate heart. It's a good mm -hmm. example. But a lot of people don't want to be around you because they see the bitterness being just like propelled out of you. Mm. Right. And right. I think we have to be careful as the church. If we become bitter, we don't reach lo lost right. people. We don't reach people far from God. When we com become compassionate, it's when we draw the world into, into mm. what we have. Mm -hmm. And that, I remember like the early church, it was the compassion yeah. Yeah. that I, I was reminded um, recently of the, the fact that, you know, those plagues would, came to the Roman world early mm. and people would flee to the hills. You know, yeah. they were mm. running away from the disease. Mm. They were abandoning family and the Christians were going into the cities into the, yeah. and yeah. they were caring for people who weren't even their family. And mm -hmm. some of them were getting sick and dying too because mm -hmm. they were exposed, exposed to the plague. But I can't think of a more dramatic example of getting moving towards the mess. Walk getting into the mess. And that's compassion. what builds compassion. I think our bitterness is a built out of ignorance, mm -hmm. right? We make judgment calls based off of how people act without knowing why they act that way. Mm -hmm. When we get close to them, we mm -hmm. realize, I'd probably do the same thing. Yeah. And what that does is when we get close to it, 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 it drops our hard hearts and it softens them to people, real people with real lives mm -hmm. and real stories of hurt and heartache. Mm -hmm. And what that does is it builds compassion. Like I think one of the reasons Jesus had compassion, one, he's God and he's awesome, mm -hmm. right? But like when he went, he saw. Right. And that, that being with the people, what it said, he, they were helpless and, and they were harassed. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And because of that, I had compassion for them, mm -hmm. right? And that's the same for us. When we go, we see. Mm -hmm. We see people helpless. We see people hurting, and that builds compassion. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, one helpful way it was framed was we move from sympathy, which is 
of aligning with people to yeah. empathy, yeah. which is to feeling what they feel, yeah. and then to compassion, which is doing something about it. Yeah. And yeah. that's really the final step. That's where Jesus is, is yeah. in this place of he sees, he feels, and he also Acts. does yeah. something right. with it. Yeah. I think it's so powerful to just miss the action step in that. I think oftentimes I can see and I say, oh, I feel bad for them, yeah. or that must be hard. Yeah. But am I going to do something about mm. it? Am I going to share the gospel? LifeWay uh-huh. did a study and says 47% of people far from God are open to hearing the gospel from a friend, relative, someone who they know. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, and I think 74% of people have never been shared with the gospel. Mm. Are, uh, someone sat down and told them, here's how you get to heaven. Here's the true key to eternal life. Right. And you know, if our highest priority should be telling people, sharing helping people far from God come to know Jesus and his story of redemption and rescue. Yeah. How far are we missing the mark as yeah. believers? Yeah. I think there's been a, a move in our churches to invite people into church and expect them to hear from the pastor yeah. rather than owning it and become missionaries to their communities, to their friends and neighbors, and to telling them the good news about Jesus, which is the great command, right? The, I mean, the great commission is to go making disciples of all nations. And we miss the great commission because we think our pastor will do that. Drew will do that for me on Sunday mm-hmm. when I invite my friends rather than going out and meeting the people in the darkness, having compassion on them and doing something about where they're at and helping them see the light. Isn't that what's so compelling about Paul's life? Oh man, right? Paul's yeah. he, he, I can't read Paul. He like, wasn't like, oh, I feel for those people. Uh-huh. He wasn't like, oh, I, 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 I'm, I see. No, he changed his life. Like literally <laughs> reoriented his life to the people he was around. Why? So they could know Jesus, like that. I mean, when I read Paul's story, I'm like, I'm a, I'm a horrible pastor, uh, yeah. Christian, <laughs> yeah, like bad it, husband. Yep. <laughs> it's so challenging. Like, would I say I'd give up my salvation for someone else? Like, right. I'm just gonna be honest. No. Yeah. No, I, I don't think I would. And mm-hmm. and, and honestly, it's because my heart's not that broken yet. Mm-hmm. And like Paul is just like he. He breathed and lived the gospel. He was broken so much. His compassion was so strong that he would give it up and he would do whatever it took. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love love all of that, especially that compassion. It's not compassion if it doesn't change your life, yeah. mm-hmm. if it doesn't mean you're living differently, differently. as a result of it. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean... I would love to keep on going. This was a great discussion, and I hope you want more, too, like I do. It's going to keep coming, so please come back next week. We're going to continue. Drew, you're going to be back next Drew's week. back. <laughs> Leading us through. I, I didn't leave, guys. I'm not coming back. I'm just continuing on, so. <laughs> back, yeah, right. So, anyway, please join us again for week three of The Ripple Effect. 